welcome to Musitations, Sound Healing and Sound Wisdom for a World in Need. On Musitations, we explore all things musical, meditative, and creative for healing, transformation, and awakening the relationship between nature, culture, and the soul. I'm Michael Branty Maria, and I'm your host and guide on this journey on the edge of a new millennium. I bring my 30-plus years of experience as an integrative wellness guide, best-selling author, meditation, yoga, mindfulness teacher, and a four-time Grammy-nominated musician. Join me now on this adventure of awakening the soul. Welcome back to Musitations. Today we have a very special guest, somebody who's been a friend of mine for a long time and went through a musician leadership program with Music for People together many years ago. And our dear, precious teacher, mentor, colleague, David Darling, who inspired both of us and was the founder and creator of Music for People, just transitioned to the other side of things. Um, some call passing on. But as those who know who've been watching the podcast, listening to the podcast, when we take as a premise that we are music, the song never dies. It may go silent because it's not being played from any particular device. But if who we are is non-local to this body, that means that that soul song that David is continues. And so it's really powerful to have my dear friend Jonathan unexpectedly that I'm actually having another Music for People graduate with me uh, from the Musician Leadership Program. We, we have trained in being music improvisational facilitators. So let me tell you a little bit more about Jonathan and then we'll jump right into it. Jonathan Best has put music front and center in everything he's done since childhood, from playing on street corners and subway platforms, to storefront churches, traveling in the South in a gospel bus, to traveling the world with rock stars. He even was put in jail once for inciting a riot with music. I love that one. Where he got a glimpse into the darker side of racism and that whole area of institutionalization that our prison system represents. In 2007, Jonathan enrolled in the four-year musician and leadership program at Music for People, while at the same time making trips to Kenya to work with the Maasai people, creating a media center and co-creating documentaries by and for the Maasai communities. What Jonathan learned from the Maasai people is that when music is interwoven into the very fabric of a community, the community is able to withstand debilitating drought and oppression. These experiences inspired Jonathan to start a nonprofit called Calm Music Key, where music is the key to community, where he runs workshops and gives lessons in developing community-centered music. This, in turn, led to BuildTheBridges.Rocks project, which entails bringing music and musical instruments to the U.S.-Mexican border and to shelters and churches housing asylum seekers. Jonathan is forever looking for ways to use music to build bridges and take down walls between people and ideas. Also known as a music gardener, 
welcome Jonathan Best to Musitations. Wow. <laughs> it's interesting to hear that, you know, because it's like, it's like a reminder, you know, why, why I'm here. Like I, 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 sometimes I forget, you know, and I, and I think it's about me. And then I realize that there's a whole world of connections, you know, that are making everything I do happen, you know, and it's, it's like, cause it, it can be tiring, you know, feeling this load, like I'm, I'm supposed to be doing more or I'm not, you know, so some of it just flows, you know, like to see, like with music for people, that, um, that was amazing. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. You know, when I, I first got exposed to music for people, it was through the Return to Child book that was in loose leaf form yes. that Jim Oshinsky had, had created. And I just, I remember it was just covered with eggs and coffee and like, because <laughs> I just kept, you know, it was like I kept rereading it and like trying things out and like, like this is like, it felt like I had discovered a new musical genre, you know, like um, when all my life, you know, I've been, I feel like I've been, um, always on the lookout for new musics, yes. you know? And and I was always been excited about like free jazz, like was something that like when I was young was just super exciting to me. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And and like all the different things, you know, like I felt like when Jimi Hendrix came out, he was like, this is something new, you know, and like and I was always like, and then I got into synthesizers and I, I was like creating all kinds of sounds. I was like, I had a, a wall of keyboards and I was like, you know, going crazy. And I always had this thing of like, what's going to happen when we run out of sounds? Because, you know, like the synthesizers can do everything. Mm. And they're just like, I, I just thought like, what is the next music revolution like i mm. you know like because I, I go like baroque was a music revolution you know like uh romantic you know uh Be beethoven was creating like a music revolution you know each of these things you know and this is what i was feeling like this is it this is the next music revolution mm. everybody playing music together like finding ways to make music available to everybody mm. and having it taking away this uh, this partition you know these borders take down the walls like like and so i knew that i had to go to this thing you know across the country so um and it, and it was was interesting is that it it happened at the same time i knew that i had to go to kenya you mm. know because they had um uh, someone had made a donation and the, the Maasai community decided they wanted to make a media center with that money. And so I knew I had a reason to go, you know. So I, would, I went to, I booked my flight to Kenya and connected it to the Music for People uh, workshop. Um, and so I was in Kenya 
you know, trying to put together this media center. And also, like, I had some, like, you know, audio, video equipment. And, like, we couldn't, we spent two months. I, I, well, I was there, uh, I forget how long, but I, and then the, all the different trips run together. So I, I could have it wrong, the actual, the, 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 the facts. I could have the facts all mixed up, but it doesn't really matter that um, I had to, I had my flight booked so that I had to get back to music for people. That was actually another time. But anyway, <laughs> um, I remember Maida May, the, 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 uh, Masa, the leader, um, uh, had said, you know, you, you, you can't go. We're like on the, we're getting, we're meeting, you know, we're finding all these new connections, all these like important people that we have to interview and like, like all these things. And like I said, well, I have to, I have to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to start crying. I seriously, I'm going to start crying because I told him about music for people. And I'm realizing now that this was not my first time of music for people. Mm -hmm. Like, so this is, I'd already been there because, and I would always, all my trips were coincided. Like I would, every time I would go to music for people, I'd go to Kenya. I remember it. it, it yeah. We're all kind so of, it was like, kind of an awe. Yeah. And so like, it, and I always felt like, oh, I'm still in Kenya. Cause it's the same sense of community, you know, music like, and that, that's what drove it home, you know? Mm. So I said to Maida May, um, I, I have to go, I'm, I'm, par, I'm in this thing where I'm learning how to do what we've been doing here, you know, like, because I had been to, like, I, I went to this one village where they had invited us and they put on this whole show where the entire village, the entire village, every single person in the village was singing and dancing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that that's, and they were doing it for us as a welcome. And they were going around us and like, uh, you know, and, and they're, they're, the, 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 the music is all, um, you know, their voices and, 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 and jumping, landing on the ground. Uh, I mean, that's, that, that's their drum is landing on the ground with their feet, you know? So, um, it's an interesting kind of percussion because you have to plan ahead a long time to know when you're going to land, you know, so you're jumping up knowing that, and they ju they're jumping really high. Hi, I was watching them. It's just, uh, you brought a video, I think of, of some of it and that we watched and it was, Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah. But I said to Maiden, I explained to him what was going and like, he was like, <laughs> I started to cry. He was like, um, and I don't know why exactly, because it's for both Maida May and David, you know, like in a way, they were both, they are both my mentors, you know? Sure. sure. And, um, and Maida May say, okay, I, I get it. I get it. You know, go, go and do what you have to do, you know? Like, we'll figure out what we have to do here, you know? And it was like, he knew. You know, he knew how important it was. Like, like he knows that, like in Kenya, the the amount of 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 oppression is so severe, and the amount of like 
you know, starvation and like uh, with the Maasai, the Maasai are really on the bottom of the economic, you know, ladder in Kenya, you know, which is already a poor country. So like, you know, there's, I've been there when there's like massive starvation and stuff. And so um, music, you go to, you're with them playing music and everything is just fine. You know, people are laughing, you know, um, and just full of joy, like the kind of joy. It's a deep, it's a deep, it's a very deep joy. It's a, it's a, uh, I, I think there's something different about like a community joy, you know. I mean, this is something that's very different there. Like the sense of community is so, it, it's what it is, it's what, you, I am who you are you know like when I'm like myself is just it's just so unimportant compared to the com community which connects to, to nature and the cosmos and it's to me I, I think of this music for being it literally being music is one of the themes I think of with musitations and because that's always the way I've experienced it that it was What's interesting to me, and, and thank you for sharing all that, Jonathan, that our culture is very unique and strange that music is primarily seen as entertainment. That yeah. throughout history and throughout most indigenous cultures, music was, number one, a form of community building, also healing, and a sense of communing with not just the human community, but the more than human community, which included nature, animals, the animal spirits, the elements, and the, the sky and the planets and the earth itself. And to me, that's what we've lost so, so deeply. And, and what I have found with what that resonates in me is my work with, you know, I've worked with Native American teachers, African teachers, Maladoma, somebody from Kina Faso, and I did a lot of drumming and, and singing music with him, ceremony and ritual, and then also Australian, that that this idea in our culture, I actually, one of my Blackfoot teachers um, and friends, his grandmother was the one who hosted uh, Abraham Maslow when he came to the same reservation I was on 50 years previously. And he developed his hierarchy of needs. You know, you need to have food and, and water, your survival needs and shelter. And then the being level needs at the top of this pyramid which he got he used the teepee she actually said you know oh he used the teepee for his pyramid and she actually told her grandson who i know um he got it all wrong he got it upside down and i love that mm -hmm. as they would say to me they say you know it's when we had no food and no water and we didn't know what to do and there was we were we were when we were on uh hunting gathering when we were back in the old time that's when we would dance and sing and that fed us and lifted our spirits and, and gave us the energy, the food to go another day. And so it wasn't something you did after, you know, I, when I told my parents I wanted to study music was, you know, my dad was an immigrant. My mother grew up in foster homes and their sense was, no, you do that after you've made a living. Right. It's not a living. And, and what, 
I've only always known in my heart and the deepest part of my soul that actually creativity is is not only the meaning, but the you know the deepest connection to what matters most, creating meaning in life too, and that it's actually what helps us do the tough stuff. And one of my true beliefs, which I felt with David so deeply, is and one of my missions is that. You know, we talk about people having a physical outlet and eating healthy and sleeping and exercising, but nobody talks about creating. That to me, we need a creative outlet as much as any of the others. It's it's soul food, creativity, and the the ultimate soul food to me is is music. And there's a way in which it touches something that allows us to realize there's something beyond time and space. And, and I wanted to ask you, you know, maybe if there was what stayed with you most, I love in our alumni group, you know, people are sharing like their, their favorite, most important thing David taught them. It's been so cool. And I, for me, certainly, you know, the no wrong notes, always playing to it with science, but what always sticks with me is the workshop he would do on finding your infinite sound. I don't know if you remember that or did that ever, but it's it would be one of those special ones he'd do like on a Saturday that was, and uh, and how to touch infinity with music, and you know here was a guy who I did, it gives me children bumps just thinking about it. I have those have those classes on you know you get you know, the little DVD of the or the CD if you wanted a certain class. And I've listened to those so often that, I mean, he was a Sufi master. He really was. And uh, he was human like all of us. He had his struggles and yeah, we all know as we all do, but he was a, because I experienced the infinite as a seven-year-old child hitting one note on the piano at a time when I was healing from, from abdominal surgery. And, and I would, use that listening and that was his main point was listening to that very edge of sound and silence like when the sound drifts into silence and then when Mm. something emerges out of it that 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 playing finding that edge between sound and silence for him was tracking the infinite and so here he was he would be teaching these very simple techniques we could all do musicians and non-musicians alike because the other thing I thought was so beautiful and, and you practice and you preach, I mean, much more than I do about this and, and do it in community, that we all have music inside of us and we all have that place where we can touch the infinite through sound by making music together. Yeah. Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. Touching the infinite. I, I don't know. I don't know if I heard him talk about that. Actually, I don't remember that specifically. But if I can find that that class recording, I'll send you a copy. Yeah, you know, I I, I was actually searching because uh, I I went over to David's house once, um, and uh, for a lesson, you know, and it ended up being an all day into the into the night lesson in lots of ways. You know, like so much like but um i can't find the recording we made you know and it's like because i think in that recording it also includes me asking about how to turn off my inner chatter while i'm playing and him explaining to me that 
you don't have to turn it off it's just that's life that's what we do you mm. know like that's the diff like a jazz musician has that going all the time classical musicians turn it off because they have to make sure they don't play any wrong notes but <laughs> we know that there aren't any wrong notes so it's just like my brain is going all the time when I'm throughout the day. Why should it stop when I play music? Because music <laughs> is life, you know? Yeah. Uh, so like, and it, so I'm totally paraphrasing but what he said, but this is like something that I keep repeating. I use this with my students all the time. So it's just an example, you know? But another thing I was thinking about with this whole, you know, that pyramid thing? Yeah. Is that, um, I think, you know, we're trained to see everything as in this dualistic way, like this binary thing. And like life and death, we're, we're, we're taught to see it the same way, life and death. And survival is about staying alive. Mm. And that pyramid to me might apply to someone who's in the desert trying to cross the border and just has no water, like has nothing. And they're literally, their insides are, are being sucked out of them. But when, you know, like life and death, death is always with us. You know, death is part of life. And to think that, and also there's many different kind of, the spectrum of life so that music is so it's a matter of whether how much we recognize its its place in our life really to me you know it's not it's not even so much about bringing music into our li life it's just bringing ourselves bringing our awareness of of music in our life so we don't have to like even think about the pyramid you yeah. know it's, it's just it's just there all the time it is there all the time absolutely yeah and 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 so like these things yeah yeah um yeah so to talk to um our listeners a little bit about uh prescott college and what you do there i mean it's i've always been fascinated i i learned about prescott more through their wilderness programs and, and what a beautiful setting in Prescott, Arizona, but can you share a little bit about what you do at Prescott and maybe a little bit about Prescott? Well, first of all, it's pronounced Prescott. Prescott. So you, yeah, Prescott. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like biscuit. all these years. I've known yeah, yeah. Decades. They I've... say they say there's Prescott. even bumper stickers. Prescott like best biscuit. Prescott. Some people I saw one bumper sticker said Prescott like kumquat. But oh. Anyway. Biscuit. Prescott. But bit Prescott, you know, that's what people say. Thank you. Thank but you. um and it's Prescott Prescott College. And I you know, as the college, like all liberal arts colleges, are struggling with finding it's that survival thing, you know. And when, with with a, with a co college, it's the same thing. Actually, it's exactly the same thing. That pyramid, and I think the college, like any any business, you know, like it's got the um, the pyramid upside down, you know, um, because the bottom line means that the arts are 
suffering. And, and this is like, this is not a criticism of the college. You know, it's a criticism of our educational system. Sure. Yeah. The college is just trying to stay alive, seriously. Mm -hmm. And it's just really hard. Co uh, lib small liberal arts colleges are dropping like flies. Yeah. We've already uh, absorbed a couple of them, you yeah. know, so they've come sort of joined forces, you know. And so my my place is, is self, uh, uh, well, me and the, me and the, the provost, vice president, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to talk about like the inner workings of, of the college, but I, I just think there's something you can always important about this. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, it's like, I'm kind of like uh, 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 ready to, to just be as real like in my life as I can. And sometimes, you know, and I realize that in everything I do, is risky. Um, I remember uh, one of my earliest songs I wrote, it had this line, it had this thing, um, living life without substantial proof. Mm -hmm. I was taking my chances. All I had to go on was the truth. Wow. And, um, and so like, it's like, you know, um, love that. Isn't that interesting? I wrote that when I was a kid. Yeah. So, um, so how old, when you say you were a kid, how old are you talking about? You know, when I say a kid, it could be anywhere from 14 to 21, I think. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's, that, that particular one was closer to 21. But anyway, but, um, so, um, see, I'm getting caught up in myself again, so I'm forgetting what I was talking about. Oh, yeah, the, the, so... Uh, we made a deal. I made a deal uh, with the with the college, um, where give me a nice space to work with, and I'll teach. And um, so uh, that's what we've been doing, you know. So it's an exchange, you know. And uh, I'm a big fan of 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 just energy exchanges, and so that's what we got going here, you know. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And you're teaching, um, you know, all kinds of things as far as with music there. Yeah. And, and so, like, I taught a class called Creating Community Through Music. And because it was an academic course, there were all these things kind of put in. Like, the step, you know, the, the, the college, like, had its agenda that it wanted to make sure was in the class. And so... It was difficult, you know, and then plus you also have to grade people. Um, and I was adamant that this is this is everybody is musical, and I who am I to judge? Like the Pope, our latest Pope, remember when he said, "Who am I to judge?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if the Pope can say, "Who am I to judge?" I, as a professor, can say, "Who am I to judge?" Like. I don't know what you're going through. Music is life, you know. I can't give you a letter grade. I just can't do it unless it's an A. So I gave everybody an A, and some of them didn't even come to all the classes, you know. It's hard to fit that kind of thinking into a academic setting. Well, it is, and that's where, you know, I went to an undergraduate place called New College, which didn't have grades, and then when I was working in academia, 
psychology professor. I same thing. In fact, I was up for a tenure track position. I was spent many years, but particularly in these integrative seminars I would do and you know, I'd have them do journaling and I did a lot of expressive arts and when you give people freedom to be themselves, they'd also knock me dead because it, it's very similar to I remember one of my favorite parts of music for people were the listener's choice Friday, Saturday night. And I tell people this and and it ties into this thing with what we do when we're trying to teach and and create I, I want to say initiation for the soul because part of what happens listener's choice is basically the lights would be low we're all kind of sitting around and there would be one chair two chairs three chairs four chairs and people would just be called literally when I say be called they called themselves when they felt drawn to take a seat in the, the solo seat the duet trio or quartet seat and they would each go and basically all release into the now, you know, do our release and then allow the music to come through us. And it would, it would be jaw dropping, right? Is it just jaw droppingly beautiful? And because right. we knew what was going to happen next. And I call it pure dynamic quality versus what's called static quality that, you know, when something's been rehearsed over and over again, it still can have quality, but it's static. So I would try to create situations with my students of pure qual dynamic quality. And, and I find the ingredients are safety. The person or the community or the situation feel completely safe to be absolutely authentic and vulnerable and to, to be a channel for what's coming through you without judgment. So safety, curiosity, and I want to say love, you know, brings that forth. And when I would do that with students, they would come up with the most amazing stuff and I couldn't help but give them all A's. And I literally didn't get the tenure track position because the the faculty felt I, I, my, they said, we've never seen, um, uh, what do they call them? References when the students evaluation, the students evaluations are too glowing and you gave everyone A's. There's something wrong here. <laughs> and I'm like, so, ah. So, so this is not a good thing to have a beloved teacher and, and students who are excelling to the best part. And all, all I did was create safety, no judgment, invitation, love and creativity. And just, and, and people would just do the most amazing things. And there was no way I could grade that. And so I, and that's why I'm not an academic. I mean, I was a complete failure in the academic world. Well, teaching psychology is different than teaching music. You could probably get away with it. Oh, okay. So this, oh, this was a psychology class. Yeah. I, I didn't, okay. you know, back in my PhD psychology gig. Oh, okay. But wow. I, I would teach things like expressive arts and stuff with, but within psychology, but the faculty members by and large were pretty old school. You know, I mean, well, I should say not old school. I mean, just. The academic world. Yeah, right. Well, the academic world is old school. My class, I didn't get that all the glowing reviews. Like some students hated my class, literally. You know, and uh, one student said I was the worst teacher he's ever taken a class with, and I should not be teaching college God level, uh, you know, music or college courses. You know, so I, I don't. I really don't think I don't see feedback 
as a as a real indicator of quality. It's not at all. In fact, yeah. from a soul perspective. When I think of soul, and, and, and I don't know if you had this discussion, but for me, ego is the social self and the soul is the essential self, which is you right. pushing or the, the evolutionary edge of consciousness. So oftentimes it's disruptive to the ego. It's, it's, right. and I'm not saying I didn't get bad reviews. Let me, <laughs> no, it's okay. You can get the, I think it's okay to get good reviews yeah, too. I also no, there were many people who thought I was, you know, uh, I had one of my favorite reviews where um, I don't do enough drugs to have understood a word he was saying. <laughs> that Okay. That actually might be the reason they didn't give the tenure. Yeah, that could be. That, that review right there. I've never been, you know, I've never been one to do drugs or alcohol, but I've, I've always said I have a naturally psychedelic consciousness since i was a kid i have a lot of synesthesia in fact i have to be careful you have to be one of the reasons i don't even drink is because i i feel my relationship to reality is is too dreamlike already yeah right right that, that's the same like i i the thing is, is when i was a kid there was so much peer pressure to uh do like psychedelics and and all kinds of stuff i didn't really even consider not doing them it was like it didn't cross my mind that because i was already on the edge of insanity like i felt like i walked a, a thin line you know well, that's, and so yeah, to be i mean i would all i would be really catapulted into these zones that were just like way way too out there for me yeah you i was know. i mean i all in retrospect you know, I know I, they taught me a lot, you know, but oh. it was like, but I almost actually, there were times when I really thought I was supposed to end my life, you know, so it really wasn't that healthy, I don't think. Well, same, you know, I, I've certainly struggled with, I, I mentioned this in, in presentations and all my books I've talked about having three times in my life being imminently suicidal, you know, very, you know, and, and to me, from a, again, from a soul perspective, I see, I call it people who have a foot in both worlds, people of the twilight, you know, one day we'll have a longer conversation about that. But I noticed that when I first met you, but I do remember one of the first things I remember you telling me this and I remember, I mean, kind of honored by it, but also like he doesn't under, he doesn't realize how tenuous my own hold in reality is sometimes. But I remember you saying, gee, Michael, you just, you just seem to have like this living thing down. You know? <laughs> Do you remember this thing? Just kind of like no. I mean, I can definitely see me saying that. Exactly. You know, I can definitely like. And I think it's easy for me to for people to kind of fall into into my preconceived sure. you know, my little oh. slots of what kind of you know. Yeah. I for me, I always saw you as kind of like I I see you as like I even have a hard time. I've shared this on this podcast before. I'm I'm not. Uh, I was a terrible music, music student. My parents actively discouraged me from it. So I don't have a lot of traditional formal music education, but I was always playing my own. I was always looking for anything that made sound. I was playing with from a very young age. And I, so I, uh, I think of myself more as a tone poet, sound sculptor, sound painter. Um, and when I look at someone like you, when I watch you play, I, I, I can have my jealousy of an envy of, because I just, 
you seem to be a master of so many genres and I, I just watch you play and go, man, I wish I could do that. So I have my own projection. Yeah. Of the, Isn't that, that's so interesting. Cause oh, like yeah. I, and I've talked to people like uh, a friend of mine who's like, you know, is like so like beyond me in so many ways of like playing with all, you know, lots of different rock stars and stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, being the, you know, music director and stuff. And he has the same thing, you know. And like I, I have, I, I, I remember doing gigs, oldies gigs, with you know, like the Drifters and the Coasters and stuff, and and always feeling like I am barely hanging on <laughs> a thread, you know. <laughs> I and I've been on stages where people were literally were scowling at me, you know, because I I wasn't reading the the notes right, you know. So like I I. It's so, I, I just feel like that world, like I was trying, I was trying to use that world to fill a hole, really, when I come down to it. Sure. You know, like I was trying to, and it was so difficult. And I look at it and I'm so like, wow, I, I, I you know, I still even, I still have regrets, I have to admit, you know, where that I, 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 I missed opportunities to continue that life style you know because it's the lifestyle that i'd been looking for you know as a young person sure all my you know and and i kept thinking oh now i got it now i got it now you know and then i kind of had it and then i let it go you know and i'm like why did i do that and maybe you know maybe sure. i kind of know <laughs> i don't know yeah i mean that's interesting how how would you what how, how would you answer that today because i i think you, found, you have found a much bigger story for your music now. Well, so like, yeah, you know, and I and I just I feel like it really, you know, when I see some of these like rock stars, you know, interviews and I'm, I'm going like these guys don't have a clue. man. Yeah. Like, they're, like they're not they're sort of what are they connected to, you know, and I realize that it really is a kind of a thin even some of my real heroes, you oh, know, sure. you oh. know, some. And it's true that like the music, they, but you know, did amazing music. But we can do amazing music without all that. We really can't. Like, oh, totally. And you can also get in, stuck in the. Well, this comes back to ego and soul again, and that's why I do feel I felt the same way. My first music for people that this was the future. This was culturally revolutionary. This was a huge, I mean, I had so many discussions with David about the transformational dimension of connecting to everybody's own unique individual sound. I mean, if we're going to survive as a species, finding unity and diversity and, and not only that, but the music of, it goes to the root of this planet, you know, the, I always like when people ask me for my musical influences. I you know, love to say. You have what? When you people what? Ask me about my musical influence, yeah, I love to say you know the wind, the, you know the moon, the the stars, the 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 earth, the ocean, um, the rivers, uh, the birds. You know that that we're talking about a larger kind of music. Paul Winter, who you know um, was such a huge influence on David and the Paul Winter Consort, and he called it Earth music. You know, and I like to call it being music and or the music of being. And and to me, this is 
the power of also constantly the new, like the unrehearsed, the, you know, when I think of it, when like you and Ron and I, we get together and just, you know, music in the moment and the, that joy you were talking about, because this is a joy to me that goes beyond life and death. It goes beyond happiness and sadness. It's the joy that moves the sun and all the stars. I mean, to me, this is what I call the great loving and it, and it opens you to compassion. There's no competition. It's, it is the community building we're talking about. Um, and, and I think this is, this is what the world needs today. I mean, it doesn't need another rock star. The world doesn't need another rock star, you know? Um, and it actually perpetuates what I call the myth of genius. Right. I think I'm, I think I know what you mean, even though like you could tell me what you mean by the myth of genius, but I think I already know. I feel no one is a genius. Everyone has a genius when they're in touch with their own heart in the moment. And that's, that's their own unique, beautiful sound. Like when we do the one quality sound, I would come to tears sometimes. And for those who don't know, one quality sound is, I do this all my workshops, you know, everybody simply takes a deep breath. We make our arms and we kind of move in. We, we just express without any preconceived notion what's going to come out. But the key is we commit to it and we love it and we share it with everyone else's sound and that all those sounds come together in this like gorgeous ecosystem of sound, like an old growth forest of sound. And I, and that we're not trying to harmonize actually the opposite. And there's this amazing, there's something about it that's life changing. And, and it's to me, the world needs one of my main messages is unity and diversity, unity and multiplicity. We need this more than anything. And, and actually, that's why it even goes beyond. We both have an interest in indigenous music, and and I I really love that we need to have larger than just the Western eight tonal or twelve chromatic scale sounds. You know, when when we do the sirening and finding all these microtones and and get past this Western aesthetic of music that actually getting in the way of the infinite sound we were talking about or the joy of making music together. And so part of, I think, of the myth of genius is that it's about we have to begin continuing to make music from the inside out. It needs to be more about how it feels than how it sounds. And as we both know, a great record, like I tell people, I can tell you all the, quote, technical mistakes on every one of my albums. I, I just think I can hear and go, oh, my God, what, you know, the critical side. But there's some things, this is what David taught me was, don't show off and don't hide and just be yourself and be a sincere and genuine. You know, when he talks about sincere expression of emotion is at the core of, of good music. And, and that's what I've just tried to do. Jonathan is just, you know, how can I, I even have in my room play simply play slowly. <laughs> you know, It's like, for yeah. my, what I'm now that doesn't mean I don't, I love to jam, but just, and when I say that, it doesn't mean in a particular way. But anyway, I don't know where that all took me. I don't know how anything. Well, a, I. But I, I, I'm open to whatever that that inspires in you, or that that maybe uh, touches off in you. Yeah, partly I, I I have to jump in before I forget again. Hmm. Some a couple of things. There's two things that I, that I was 
thinking of, and I'm totally related to this, but one thing is like, to me, the myth of genius also, I would include like, because I, I do believe in genius, but I think that uh, it's, a, it's a community effort. In fact, um, one of our rock stars, Brian Eno, oh, yeah. said himself that he is, he, he's, he is a receiver of, um, he's a beneficiary of this, of this misconception of genius, yes. that like it's put on one person as if one person contains it, but it's a real like oh, thing, yeah. but it's a community effort. Community and so effort. it's like, we're so stuck on this individual thing that, that it's hard for us to like break out outside of that, you know? And so, and that's what this music revolution is. And, you know, because it's, and it's true that whenever you encourage people to break out of that, you know, that little cage, uh, there's going to be some pushback, you know, and yeah. I know that that's what I got in my class, you know, yeah. it's scary, it's yeah. scary. And, um, and then the other thing I was thinking, I, I, I wanted to make sure I got, because I always thought it was weird when they called that listener's choice, right? <laughs> I agree. Thing. Name didn't make but sense. But now I suddenly, I got it for the first time because it's the listener as the musician, like as the, you know, we're listening is what we really are doing. Because we're up there listening to what's, yeah, it's not the people. Right, right. So like, uh, he's, he's calling us the listeners. <laughs> you know, so here we are, the listeners, and we're going to have, get our choice as to how we're going to, you know, express our listening. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah, no, that's beautiful. And that's where, when, when I remember that reminds me of when David would say, you know, we listened to some piece of music. He said, now you can tell there's nobody listening who's playing that music versus other music where the player is listening. Right. You know what I'm talking Wait, about? What? What kind of music? Oh, he would just, he would play like a, you know, any kind of music, or even if you heard some kind of music coming over on somebody who's playing something on a radio or something, like nobody listening. Oh, yeah. That, that you can tell if a musician is listening as they're playing or not. If they're present, right, in the playing, I guess. Right. Yeah, you can hear the listening. Like, you can hear the listening... Right, exactly. Like you, you, and then that's when you know when we're playing together, we get into this minutia of 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 um, of sensitivity. You know where we we can we know exactly where someone's at. You know, exactly. And so you could see why there's pushback. You know, it's scary to uh, to open yourself up to that and and just be really you know open. You're having to empty yourself and really move into a sense of unknowing and to be led instead of to be willfully pushing. Right. And, and that I think encapsulates the struggle that we're having now, you know, in this world and particularly in this country, because we've been the world leaders in individualism, you know, like, um, and there's some severe, pushback on that man like yeah. real fear real oh, deep God. and so yeah. this is like my call in fact you know i'm going to be doing 
I wish that this was live because I'd be encouraging people to come to this workshop I'm doing tomorrow, which is part of the, but I can talk about it anyway. Yeah, please because do. Because it's really, it's important to me. You know, this is this, um, it's called uh, 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 Common Ground on the Border. And uh, it's a, uh, and there's like speakers and normally like I've been, I've been going, you know, for a couple of years and I, at this time of year down by the border and, uh, you know, I'm doing these workshops, um, everybody, it's called join the, the music, everybody music revolution. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'm, I'm presenting it like, this is like, we're really, <laughs> we're needed, man. Like we need armies of people. Yeah musicians we need like uh that are willing to take that chance it's like it's 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 life and death you know the bravery that's required is is high you know um to call on people to bust out of their their everyday everyday and go into the unknown of 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 uh creative connection so and it's scary for me you know as like a lead, uh, you know being in a leadership role is always scary right absolutely well and i want to say i've i've seen you from day one meeting you as a as a musical activist and and i i love that you're still doing this work Hi, it's interesting. Yeah, like I, I, I wouldn't even have considered it then. I, I do know that um, I remember, like you know, because we would do our little, uh, you know, uh, we try ourselves out, you know, like and, and as we were learning this stuff. And uh, I remember one time David was like, "Jonathan, man, pull it back! <laughs> like you are so out of control, man!" Like. <laughs> that's, that's and I and I, I think part of it was just like my you know insecurities like I would over function you know I mean that's just something that we all I think over functioning is a is a function of insecurity. oh absolutely but I have to say you know for someone you know because I I do think we I'm probably a little bit more earth water energy and you're a little bit more fire energy because I remember just I would you were so you are so passionate and when you play you're so passionate and. If you get a chance to watch some of Jonathan's uh, YouTube channel, and uh, I'll post some of these links in the in the interview, um, that you're just on fire when you play, and and it's beautiful and it's passionate. Um, what's interesting is you know David told me the opposite because I had one of those experiences of having a lesson, an all day lesson in his house, it was just one of my most pleasant, wonderful memories, and it was much more him trying to light a fire under me. You know, like you're, you know, because I was always so zen about a lot of my music. But, you know, what's interesting, you know, I, I started with piano at seven, but then I was playing drums at nine, and 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 I played drums, you know, for jazz. Sticks or, or hands? Uh, yeah, sticks. Drum kit and yeah, had the drum set and played in the, um, was it the fifth or sixth dimension little middle school, you know, jazz band, and I, I, you know, and I still I love. I still love drumming and have done all night long dances, you know, drumming all night and doing a lot of, uh, I you know, did a lot of drumming with the Doma with the 
doing the ritual and ceremony of just drumming for hours in the djembe. And, and I, I live rhythmically, actually. I think I actually live rhythmically very, you know, that place you live with such syncopation and playing off that offbeat. And I just, I really groove with that. I, I dance when I, when I dance, that's kind of, I love a lot of African dance and I, I just have that in me, um, which I'm, it, it's interesting. I don't know what the future holds for me musically, but I, I really, um, I love the fire you would bring to our session and, you know, the stuff we would play. So interesting, you know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm actually, because I'm always looking at these connections, you know, musical, uh, the way we look at music and the way we look at life. And, yeah. you know, I, I see, you know, off beats, off, upbeats is kind of like dissonance. They're the ones that are, you know, they're off. Right. Cause like, like when we're like just going along, you're walking, everything's steady. There's all, it's all downbeats and there's no, there's no problem. It's like easy, you're just rolling along. But then like, uh, uh, ah! you know, it's like, what is that? You know, like, so it sort of shakes you up, you know? And, um, and it's like, I feel like that's a lot to do with, you know, um, you know, American, you know, African-American music, you know, like, uh, uh, we're, we're, which is very different than African, you know, um, right. because there's a, with African, there's a, there's a, like, um, the off rhythms are, are kind of in a, in a flow, you know, like there's a, you know, there's a still that easiness to it, you know, where it's like funk music and, you know, like James Brown and stuff like that is full of that agitation, like, yeah. but it's embracing it. And, um, it's really, I think it's, it's a way to bring it into a dance, you know, like, so like you wake up in the morning and you know that you're going to be singled out because you're black and you're going to be that, you know, life is dangerous, you know, like, uh, you got to be careful, you know, you got to be on your toes, you know, um, and that was, that's that music, you know, and that music is um, really, it's become such a commodity. It's become such like, uh, you know, it's part of our gro gross nat national product, you know, it's, it's huge. It's huge, you know. It's so much money, like, comes in yeah. from that from that groove, you know. That that groove that comes out of like some real suffering, you know. So I think, like, I really like to acknowledge that. And, like, this is a gift that I've been given, you know, so that I get to uh, I get to like dance with the with the funk, you know. I get to I get to dance, you know, move with that shit yeah. that you know that 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 hard stuff you know like that scary stuff you know all the you know life is full of the stuff that really challenges us and makes us sometimes not so sure if we want to do it you know do, no, it's, it's, really it's, but, and how music can can invite us into that difficulty in a way that's more manageable right Right. Like we can really, it's like a little laboratory, you know, like we can, like we can work on anything 
and we can work it on it together. Like we can get together like as couples, we can get together as like families and, and, and play music. Like I know like the families, uh, I was just actually looking at, at this family picture from the, uh, where the, uh, the patriarch of the family you know, died like a year ago and they finally were putting up like these pictures of, you know, he was an artist and all this stuff and seeing he, they had a family band back in the 60s, I guess, I guess. Um, you know, one of these family bands where like, and they're all, it's like, they're all like ready for, for action, you know, the whole family, everybody in the family was playing. And you know, I, I just know lots of different families that have their family bands. Yeah. And, it, and it's just like, you know, that family, it's a, it's just a lot healthier, I think. Yeah. To oh be in that, to be in one of those families. Oh my gosh. And these are families that really do struggle, you know, with some, some difficult stuff, you know, like all, which family doesn't. No kidding. But at least yeah. there's, well, that, that's a good segue into kind of maybe moving into, um, bringing it full circle that having a creative outlet. And to me, creativity is the only genuine, true, healthy answer to suffering. And creativity is a way of making not only peace with suffering, but turning it into, I think of as consciousness, compassion, and wisdom. But somehow creativity allows us to work with these opposites, energies that we're struggling with and, and bring them to consciousness and make some sense out of them and find some peace in the madness. Um, and I would love just to, you know, before we finish up, two things. Number one, anything that you would like to share about what music has meant to you, what music is to you. And then also, if there's anything you want to share or let the folks know about, about your work or, um, you know, how they can find you and, and learn more about what you're doing. So, so those are my last two questions for you. Okay, um, I'd love to be uh, to be uh, seeked out. You can seek me out um, at. I would say the easiest thing is JonathanBest.com. Great. You know, you can also go to Kamusiki.org, which is which is the nonprofit that I founded. But um, you know, I, I uh, yeah, it's just hard to spell and everything. Just JonathanBest.com has has links to that. You know. And also, you know, and, and, and also links to the YouTube channels and stuff. And so um, what music, what music means to me? Yeah. Or any last comments about what, what is this thing called music and how? What is this thing, is this thing called music? Bum. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's, it is, well, you know, music is love. Yeah. Like one of the things we did in my class was this um, Rabia, you know, Rabia yeah. of, what's her, Ra Rabia of what? Um, um, as soon as you said. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, we know Rabia. Like how many Rabias Rabia. are there? Yeah, I know. Yeah. So this is a, um, yes. Uh, gosh, I can't remember. I'm going to, it's going to drive me crazy, but yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Right. It doesn't really matter, but, but she wrote a poem about, you know, music is love, you know, and, uh, so um that might and, have the title of uh, of our podcast music is love yeah 
I mean, there's so many different things that you could pick out of this conversation to be the title. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like, see, having this conversation with you really brought out, like, a lot of things that are kind of, like, sometimes running below the surface and then I don't know how to articulate them. So I really appreciate that you gave the space, you know. I love because it. Because that, that's what... And I, I see music as that kind of a conversation, you know. It's like a conversation that brings out things that were impossible. So, oh, yeah, I think the perfect way to, to end, you know, if mm. we really want to end, which I don't, but um, would be with this quote from, uh, from, uh, from uh, Sun Ra. <sighs> <laughs> Sun Ra. <laughs> so, um, and if anybody doesn't know Sun Ra who's listening to this, just Google Sun Ra. You know. Yes. Um, so his quote is, "We have tried everything possible and nothing worked. Now we must try the impossible." I think that's where we're at. You know, as a society, like we really have tried everything possible. And now we have to go to that place. And it's like, it's similar to the Rumi quote, which I, I did write a song from some of these Rumi things. And, but this one was, um, what you cannot imagine, I shall be that. And I, and I just take that to what we cannot imagine, we shall be that. Like, mm. yeah, let's look beyond our imaginations. And music does that. Like, so that's, yeah. This is so beautiful, Jonathan. Oh, I love both of those. And that, that touches on that, what I would feel with David in that infinite sound workshop, that finding your infinite sound, because it is how do we make the invisible visible? How do we make the impossible possible? I, I, this is, yeah. And I, and music does, for me, this is the, I, I could, yeah, this takes us such deep territory because I, I think what I love the most about music for me from being very young is it expressed the feelings that were too big for words. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. And did you did you write songs? Oh yeah, but they were never I never it was all I was always a music for people kid. I mean, I never thought much about recording my music. Um it was always Ah, it's going to choke me up. I mean, mm. you know, it was a way of communing with this spirit. It was, yeah. a, you know, a spiritual experience, a religious experience. It was a way of, um, it was a way of, of honoring whatever it was that I felt that I couldn't, I mean, I always felt this presence and it was my way of connecting to that presence and honoring that presence and receiving from that presence. It, it was never about trying to, it was never about fame or fortune. It was never about, let me impress somebody because I'm going to learn this riff. I, I, in fact, I never had patience for that because just hitting that one note felt like a prayer. Mm. So yeah. I don't yeah. 
Yeah. So thank you for that. I don't usually put that into words. I don't usually have words for that, but it was a very, um, it was a, it's always been the most sacred thing in my life to right. make a sound. It just, right. Make a sound. Make a sound um, without expecting anything or needing anything, but as a way of reverence. I just, I, I don't know how to, way to say it right it really it's like it tapped it taps into something that i mean like it's trying to describe that's why i like you know when i teach i say i just say this this uh, caveat that because you know music theory is trying to describe the un indescribable exactly so like so we're not we're not pretending that we're actually describing it no. we're just bringing words to something so that we can have a little, like we can talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Sliver <laughs> of it. I mean, that's thing how I ended up getting retiring from psychology and kind of getting sick of psychology was that, you know, that it, it, all these theories that describe a very small word part of this human experience, just like our musical theory describes a very small part of the, the world of all possible musical sonic expression. Right. I mean, um, it's so beyond all. So for me, the I'd like I love the one of the one of. The, you can't make any generalizations about native culture. There's so many different ones, but many cultures' word for creator would be more accurately translated as, the great sacred holy mystery moving through all things, you know. And to me, that's music at its best. And, yeah. And I and that's why I've come up with this term musitations. I was like that it doesn't capture it either it's just an approximation to what was it i was doing from seven years old on you know hitting one note on the piano or you know hitting uh, or listening to the wind through the trees and just being entranced and feeling like i was part of that sonic landscape that i i would feel called to like express in some of my own little private, I've been singing in my own private language since I was a little kid. Some, every, we all do. Most are either educated out of it or shamed out of it. I just never stopped, you know, singing in my yeah. own. And that's actually my most sacred, that's kind of my edge, actually, that I'm trying to record and explore is how can I express it? It feels so vulnerable. It feels so, talk about taking a risk, like just you know, some place between speaking and singing in this, uh, you know, some people call it light language. Some people, have, for me, it's just soul singing. And I've been doing these so, and, and they're very much, I've taken some of the, some of the techniques we learned in musical people and some things I learned with the indigenous teachers and created this opportunity to simply free up people's voice to express the inexpressible yeah and so there's a real emotional aspect to it it has nothing to do with trying to entertain but rather to heal and move and to build connection so that's like that's my deepest space that i'm kind of working in right now and so so i didn't expect to get all this, this is really good here the best stuff's come in with <laughs> after we decided to so thank you for for uh opening us to all this with that beautiful yeah so you'll you'll just you know what what we should do is just keep talking and then you just push the the end session button whenever you want like and because I I have things to respond to everything please, like please. like because you 
when I, I'm just thinking about how like like talking, like you know, somebody could be talking, and then you ask them to put a melody what, to what they're saying, and suddenly it becomes super vulnerable. Yeah. Like suddenly, like for me to go, you know, Michael, I just love talking to you. To Michael, I just love talking to you. You know, and suddenly our heart is open and we're vulnerable. Yeah. And like, you know, we're open for attacks, you know. And, uh, and that to me, it's like, and you can't describe why that is. Like why just simply putting with the words on these different pitch, pitches yeah. suddenly creates this vulnerability. Yeah. Um, and maybe, uh, you know, and, it's, and, I, and I think the more people know that it's vulnerable for everybody. It's vulnerable, I think it's vulnerable for Aretha Franklin, God bless, you know, like her soul. Yeah. You know, um, anybody who sings is vulnerable. Thank so you. you're not alone with that. That's you know? beautiful. Thank you for that. I think that's so, so true. You know, and um, I was very, I loved to sing as a kid. And then I was, I was in choir at church and at school. And then in fifth grade, I was like, my, my voice was changing. And I, we were doing, I'll never forget Joseph's Technicolor Dreamcoat. And I was singing my heart out and, and the choir director who I adored and respected and had on a pedestal he's really funny and fun he goes, somebody's off key and he made each one of us sing and i my voice cracked and he pointed at me in front of a hundred kids and said oh, don't sing another note all cement you know all year you know are you serious i swear like, you don't know how many times i've heard that story over and over again and every time i'm flabbergasted like oh, it's like and the other kids were laughing at me and i didn't sing another note till i was in a sweat lodge on my vision quest at the age of 31 and oh, I, man. I thought i'd die if i didn't literally because i was so i was dying in that and then i it was powerful to find my voice again I'm so sorry to hear that, and um, and it makes me realize that like I am just so lucky that for some reason I I experienced lots of other you know I experienced you know sexual trauma, but I didn't experience musical trauma you know, and and there there I to me there like I I don't want to get into a, a weighing game you know they're both traumatic like to to have your voice taken away from you like or to have your sexuality taken away you know who's who's comparing you know they're both devastating both devastating yeah yeah thank you for sharing that jonathan and um maybe we can just well can do a follow-up too it feels like i just we've just been getting way yeah. waters but i really love where it's taken us and i i really want to thank you for um you know, <clears throat> I've always, I've always loved uh, how raw and authentic you are, and from day one there was just, just, just so present and and I just authentic, and I those are the words I think of with you, and it's just it really I when I saw you on the grad lounge the first night I got on there, um, it's like ah all you know Jonathan and Ron and then Francis showed up and I was like oh man I've missed these people. I've missed them, not to mention make missed making music with them. Right. 
So, so we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll be together again yeah. someday. Absolutely. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for being here in this episode of Musitations. We've got to do this again. And truly, music is love, and you are such a living example of that. And for all of those, thank you for tuning in once again. It's always a great pleasure to have you here where we are exploring how we are music. God bless you, be well, and we'll see you on the next episode of Musitations. You've been listening to Musitations, sound healing and sound wisdom for a world in need, where we explore all things musical, meditative, and creative for healing, transformation, and awakening the soul. I've been your guide and host, Michael Brandt Maria. Feel free to check out my music on Pandora, Amazon Music, Spotify, XM Cirrus Radio, or Soundscapes Cable. You can also check out my website at michaeldemaria.com or online programs at alldaypeace.com, alldaypeace.com. Listen to your heart, follow your soul, and we'll see you on the next episode of Musitations.